Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to explore the relationship between politics and preaching. This is something brought to you by the Joint Public Issues team. Uh, my name is David Main. I'm a Baptist minister based in Essex and I'm the host for this season of the podcast. Each week I'm joined by a different guest as we explore politics and faith and the lectionary readings together and this morning I'm delighted to be joined by Martin Hodson who's the General Director of the Baptist Union of Scotland. Martin worked in industrial management before serving churches in Aberdeen and Worcester. He joined uh, the Baptist Union of Scotland as their Ministry Development Coordinator and then around two years ago moved to be their General Director. Martin, welcome. Hi, David. Great to see you. Hi, everyone. It's great to have you uh, with us this morning. Um, Martin, do politics and the pulpit naturally go together for you? Well, maybe. I, I don't know if it's natural, but I think it's it's always something that's kind of important to keep them together. I think, you know, my, 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 my own story has been one of, I think, trying to notice the the hidden and the excluded people and groups and that's that's affected my own political position really i've uh, always made a, made a point of being a member of a political party i always thought you can't really criticize what's going on unless you've got at least a little bit of skin in the game okay um, um i think for, for, for me you know the, the 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 fact that there's a lot of hidden uh hidden need Hidden exclusion is 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 an underlying uh, underlying theme in 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 I guess in my in my life, my ministry, my spirituality, really. And so I think I think it flows into preaching that way. It's kind of from the bottom up, more than from kind of commenting on the political establishment downwards. That would be typical of my style. Okay. And from your your context at the moment, what are some of the the key justice issues or uh, political issues that are sort of big on your radar at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, you know, I I I, I can't get, get get away from the levels of poverty that still exist in our society, and especially child poverty. I mean, here here in Scotland, um, 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 probably twenty four percent. Uh, maybe less, it might be a bit less now, it might be more like 20% of children are growing up in a family situation that's, uh, you know, described by the by the kind of standard markers as poverty. And for a lot of people, that's kind of connects with multiple deprivations. And, you know, when I, when I look at what our, our own church and the churches in our network around Scotland are involved in, there's an awful lot of grassroots things that are, connecting with individuals and small groups of people. I, I'm just uh, actually uh, uh, part, part of a, a microchurch. We've been developing a microchurch, which is connected with quite a lot of people who um, who are from Eastern Europe working in, uh, working in our area, and mainly working in food processing factories. And it's just been an eye-opener to me to realize the conditions that these folk work in and the hours they work, and uh, you know the, the the whole journey. It's very hidden, really. We don't hear much in much about that. But you, you, you could think, you could even think there are no Eastern European workers left in the UK post Brexit or something. But actually, you know, there are some again sort of a hidden group that are doing something very fundamental, and frankly, not being treated well at all. 
Each week, uh, I get a little bit of information uh, about some other uh, things that are going on, um, providing a bit of context as well as what we bring to it ourselves. And obviously, um, in the news this morning, there's the, the car blast at Liverpool Hospital, um, and there'll be various things that might flow out from that. Um, obviously, COP26 has been big on our radar for some weeks now, and although officially is over, the job of putting anything into practice now begins and uh, I think it's only going to get harder in many ways to implement what's been agreed and we've got uh, the new lockdown imposed in Austria and particularly their decision um, to differentiate between those who've had vaccinations and those who haven't that's a bit of a, a step change for what's happened before and then there's another, the conflict in Ethiopia which we've mentioned uh, once before continues to um cause great harm and trauma um liturgically our context um is that this week is christ the king sunday and uh, i don't know about you but i was working through the the text trying to think about you know i wonder what threads run between them and i made them like oh it's a lot about kingship in all these readings and and then i thought oh of course there's a lot about kingship in all these readings i'd only just um twigged christ the king sunday is not long been part of my uh, uh my regular sort of service planning so uh, it was it was going through the I, I mean i guess it was better than not realizing but <laughs> uh, um so all those things provide a bit of background and context for us as we head into this week so we're out of hebrews and we're out of mark's gospel for christ the king sunday so we've been with those for quite some time but we've got readings from 2 samuel 23 from revelation 1 and John chapter 18. Uh, Martin, where do you want to start? Well, maybe maybe we should start with in 2 Samuel 23 with uh, with David's kingship. Uh, I think there's, uh, you know, th th these are presented as the last words of David. And uh, it's, it's a, big, a big kind of closing speech. Although it's quite interesting that it seems like some of it is him describing what God said to him. And I was particularly, you know, Verses two and three. The spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel, um, the God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, "When one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he's like the light of morning at sunrise on a hot morning, like the brightness after rain that brings light on the earth." And I don't know what you think about this, David. And I'll be interested to hear in a minute. I mean, there's a way of reading it that says this: this is David, kind of you know, trying to create his own obituary, putting a gloss on his life, saying, well, this was me. I was the king who ruled in righteousness and in the fear of God, and I was like the morning at sunrise. And it's, you know, it's, it's another instance of the powerful writing history in, in, in their own terms. And, you know, I think there, there is a, perhaps a slightly cynical way of reading it like that. And especially because I feel like, you know, these days we're more aware than ever of the complexities of David's life. We can't just say, oh, he was a man after God's own heart. I mean, he was and the writer of beautiful worship songs, but also we often think about the dysfunctional family, the bloodthirsty life, the adultery. I mean, in the next chapter in, in 2 Samuel 24, he's going to be back to his old sort of tricks of counting his armed men, uh, like, you know, like kind of Scrooge counting the... Uh, the gold in his treasury. He's counting how many thousands of armed men he has, and uh, 
and it's clearly clear the Lord disapproves of. So, so I, I mean, I think there's that cynical way of looking at it, but I kind of want to give David's kingship a bit of a uh, uh, a bit more honour in this and say I think that he might be saying that this is the watchword of his life. When one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God is like the light of morning. And I'm kind of thinking, as he said, look, this is what the Lord kept saying to me. This is what the Spirit of the Lord has kept saying to me through my life. And this is the watchword. And I'm thankful that every time I've lived up to that, and I'm sorry that I haven't always lived up to that. And that, that's kind of how I want to read this. And that maybe leads into a couple of other things. But I wonder, wonder what you think about that as a, as a, as a way of reading this. Yeah, I, I resonate with that in, in lots of ways. I, I read it initially thinking, oh, this is the kind of thing that someone else could say about you, but perhaps not the thing that one should be saying about yourself. And there is a sense in which, you know, history is always written by the winner, isn't it? And the person who, who's in charge. Um, and I think it was... I was then sort of stuck a little bit on kind of the the sense of divine legitimacy here that this he almost presents his kingship as part of the ordering of creation you know there's a sense in which this is part of how it's all meant to be but I, but I guess there's a way of reading that as well where this is a warning to to kings and rulers here that they're not self-made they're not autonomous actually um they're not there purely because of their own goodness or achievement um so i guess depending on whether you read that with arrogance or humility you can take that in a number of different ways but yeah it's a very interesting dynamic mm. and for me you see it, that, that kind of moves across a bit into the question of how we view cop 26 and its outcomes because i'm thinking you know if I, if, if my idea is right and david's telling the story and say look I was going for something really good here, ruling in righteousness, because I knew that's what God had given me. And yeah, to some extent, I achieved that, but I didn't always. It, you know, I, I, I think the question is, what, what, what do we say and what, what do we pray now that COP has ended? And, you know, a, an agreement has been made, which is a great thing. And yet we recognize the weaknesses in the agreement. And perhaps, you know, the most spoken about being that the commitment isn't to phase out coal but to mm. face down coal. I mean, we've all been watching COP quite a bit, but possibly here in Scotland, we've been doing so a yes. bit more and have been at some of the uh, fringe events around that and really kind of mindful of what's going on there. And, you know, I, for, for, for me, it, it kind of comes to the Greta Thunberg question. I mean, I think Greta Thunberg is just an incredible figure who's, who's done amazing things. And if I'm really honest, as a middle-aged man, I find it quite irritating. Uh, but I think I need people like her in the world to be irritating. But then, at the end of the day, is it sufficient for her to say COP26 was, was just blah, blah, blah? It clearly hasn't been everything it could be. But is there a need to say, but it's been something? And uh, we've taken some steps. Now, maybe that's heresy because we're not going to get down to 1.5 degrees just through what COP's done. But I kind of, there's something staring in me, which I think resonates with how I'm reading David, I want to say, look, there's been some good in this, and I do want to celebrate that. I don't want to whitewash or greenwash anything, but I kind of want to celebrate the good and say, but there's still further to go as well. And there's something about that which is it's just so remarkably ordinary in the sense that does does any is there an example of leadership anywhere other than Jesus himself where that wouldn't be true you know there's been good in here but there's been stuff that isn't good in here I mean that's 
certainly my church would give you a list um <laughs> you know i think there's something in that which is uh I, is how it always is and mm. and i guess there's a then a choice to be made about where you choose to focus and not denying the difficult things but actually not to lose sight of the good things that do happen um yeah interesting yeah, yeah that's right because i think our our, our dialogue or our, our kind of language about this can can get caught in, in into the sort of the polar extremes i mean it's, it's mm. you know uh um you know you have to be either an activist or an oppressor is is one way of saying that the discussion can become polarized now um now you know not denying the reality of either of those positions a lot of people are kind of trying to bring about change whilst recognizing they're complicit in change at least that's that's how i feel and it's you know living living that complexity i think in uh in in in, in a world where you're looking for progressive development and where the kingdom of god beckons you towards some kind of progressive development and the climate issue is, is obviously the most urgent of those or probably the most urgent of those right now mm. yeah absolutely and uh, i i think one of the other things from this passage for me is just the, the sense in which um, there is a sense in which if one is going to rule justly, there has to be um, a deliberate engagement with public well-being, with um, using power for the sake of the weak and the powers and the marginal. Uh, and that I think that comes out quite clearly. You know, where, where I've been good, it's where that's what I've done. Um, and I wonder if that's one of those things that is always easier to say in retrospect. Um, and and mm. actually, when you're in the throes of, of any given moment, the challenge is trying to keep your head and remember what's important when all those other things, particularly if it's sort of intense, sort of pull you in, in other directions. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I don't want to harp on about COP26 too much, but it's been interesting how the... Uh, the the, the the whole event has had a, a kind of fringe of people crying out and saying but in our local community this is what it's like i heard a guy called barriquet from ethiopia just telling the story saying when i was when i was a kid the rains used to come every april and it was great and we planted and then the rains continued in may and june and the crops grew over the last sort of 10 15 years the weather's just gone haywire and we don't know what's mm -hmm. going to happen and we're just you know we're we're not we're not able to grow food like we did and you know my kids have moved from the country into the city because that's the only hope they've got of earning a living you can see that we're not going to survive here and it is those kind of micro stories or is that things that we're saying you know where there's a possibility of real local life being changed that yeah that validated that that that, that rule that that authority it's not about it's you know the, the outcomes will always be smaller than local i think yeah, I, there's been some really powerful uh, pieces spoken, I think, uh, at COP. And uh, Mia Motley's speech towards the beginning, the uh, Prime Minister of, of Barbados, um, is something I think everyone needs to, to watch. So if you're watching or listening this morning, get on get on YouTube and, and, and look for that. Um, yeah. But yes, very powerful to get with, the, with people's lives to you know the reality on the ground because this makes such a tangible difference to so many people it's it's a little bit more theoretical for us it, it, where we live we're, we're blessed in that way i mean it isn't but compared to people whose homes are being washed away tomorrow um we don't live with quite the same um fear i guess yeah yeah um so um 
Revelation or John? What do you fancy? I should revisit Revelation then. And, uh, Let's go yeah. to Revelation. Yeah. Oh, almost got through the whole season without Revelation. Um, <laughs> so we're in chapter one, and it's 4b to verse 8. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so grace and peace to you. Mm. I, I read this through, and uh, I don't know if you your brain works like this, but... Uh, I just kept, there were just lots of different songs that kept coming into my mind. It's just <laughs> uh, one of those passages. It's just filled with lines that have been put in, in worship songs. Um, but what do we, what do we make of this then? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so, so here's John, victim of religious persecution, exile. And I, I think, I think the first thing that strikes me is, is that he's kind of retelling the greatness of, God as he's kind of encountered him in Jesus and the message of the kingdom and that, that that's that's the sort of the headline in all this I, 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 you know, I was kind of reading this as it's almost a, a kind of I don't know a, a doxology almost a kind of statement yeah it has that feel to it yeah you know God in eternity who was and is and is to come the trinitarian God the the creator the spirit the redeemer um this uh complicated thing about the the seven spirits or the sevenfold spirit but whatever it's got a kind of i think he, I, I mean I, i'm i'm reading that as a description of of the holy spirit as a person you know of the trinity the kind of sevenfold characteristics from isaiah 11 encompass that and and it's you know there's just an intense experience of god's presence which we're going to find even more in a, a bit later on aren't we, when the when heaven's door is open and then there's the salvation theme in it. You know, he's lived as he's freed us from our sins. He's made us a kingdom of priests to serve God. And, and there's the eschaton and the coming kingdom. The crucified Lord will appear in the glory of his kingship. And for, for me, the, you know, the edge of this is, is that looking forward in the midst of the present, where there's persecution, where there's the real presence of God. But there's the coming kingdom and he starts at the beginning who was and is and is to come and then in verse eight it's back again the one who was and is yes. and is to come and i think he kind of sitting there thinking you're coming lord jesus there's there, there's a new age this current persecution this current roman empire isn't the final empire and i think that's that's kind of what excites me around this it's a very hopeful text in that way isn't it and he reminded me of the a bit of the, the Martin Luther King um, uh, quote where he talks about um, the arc of justice bending. You, you know, it's kind of, yeah, we know how the story way. ends. We and, yeah. and that doesn't take away how hard whatever it is might be at this moment, but we know how the story ends and therefore um, we bear faithful witness um, yeah. to to what we know. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that, you know, that, that, that lovely phrase from Stanley Halabas about resident aliens. Yes. Um, this is this is John. He he, he doesn't, you know, th th this isn't the kingdom that ultimately reigns over him as a kind of alien. But he is resident. He's living right in the middle of it. He's not he's not pretending it isn't here. He's not disappearing to a, a spiritual sphere where the suffering is irrelevant. He's resident in it, but it's alien to him ultimately because he belongs to it. Uh, a kingdom that is yet to come in in verse six as well it says and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his god and father so i thought this was interesting in 
certainly in the context of the three readings for today, the kingdom is in service to God. It, it's not the kingdom is at the top. You, you know, it was very much. Um, uh, and I just thought that was an interesting uh, way of, of emphasizing that God is above and beyond all the kingdoms and the arrangements that we might have uh, here as well. So it's the, it's the kingdom of God. It's God's kingdom. Yeah. It's mm. not that God is the kingdom, but the kingdom is God's. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, to me, that's the, you know, that, that, that's, that, 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 that's a fundamental part of the inspiration to engage with the needs of the world and to be a transforming presence in the world because it's, uh, it's a taste of things to come. The kingdom of God is a taste of things to come. We believe in this coming kingdom so much that we live by the, the the values of that kingdom and we try to create the ways of that kingdom in as much as we can do now because not, not because we will bring the kingdom in by doing that i believe because that would be a sovereign work of god ultimately right? at, the, at the appearance of christ but because these values matter so much because our lives have been shaped and formed by this future vision we say we've got to stand for the poor and we've got to care for that climate and uh, we've got to look out for the lost amen um should we drift into john's gospel from mm. there yeah so we're we've been in mark say for a long time and now we're taken to john 18 33 mm. to 37 obviously this is part of a a longer section uh where jesus uh has this encounter with with Pilate with the jewish mm. authorities set in sort of pilots hq yeah what are we making of this one yeah well what's this is that your own idea jesus asked so Pilate says, yes. I need to think of the jesus. is that your own idea and you know he's kind of saying so i'm just pulling your strings here or yeah. <laughs> i don't want to read it you know who are you trying to keep happy are you doing the right thing here or are you kind of are you trying to keep some powerful people happy and that to me speaks right into the heart of politics. Are we trying to keep the powerful happy and content, maybe because in some sense they are benefactors, or are we uh, able to challenge them? And uh, you know, I, I, I think that's for me that they, they are the really powerful uh, words at the start of this. It's more about the kingdom for me as well, but uh, I'm challenged by that. I was thinking, you know, the um, it's one of the problems of democracy isn't it i mean democracy obviously is 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 a, 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 you know at least the least bad way of ruling a country i'm entirely pro-democracy but you you elect governments for a relatively short length of time and it's always difficult for them to uh, develop very long-term policies and i suppose climate you know facing mm. the climate challenge has been a uh, a victim of that and i like that phrase that the uh that the, the queen used in her speech where she said um uh, to rise above the politics of the moment and achieve true statesmanship mm. now apart from statesmanship being slightly awkwardly gendered word i know i know what she means and you know it's that how can you think bigger than just pleasing the people at the next election and uh, i think you know yeah this this aspect of of um of authority is really really important that jesus is you know, is, is drawing attention to here. Yeah. yeah, I think the the dynamic between Pilate and Jesus here is really, really interesting. 
Um, and you just get a sense the more this goes on that Pilate really doesn't understand Jesus at all. Um, and it, I think it's possible to read almost Pilate as either sort of genuinely asking, you know, what is truth or it could be given in a sort of mocking tone, I guess, as well, depending on on how we think. But he just doesn't know who Jesus is. He doesn't see truth standing in front of him, really. I mean, he's asking that question. Um, yeah. And on this on this kingdom theme that, we, that we've got in Jesus as king, we get these words, my kingdom is not of this world, then, which must have been another real puzzler for Pilate. You know, what, 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 what on earth is this? How... how how could there be a kingdom not of this world? How could, yeah. you know, and how, how does a Roman official respond to someone who's saying, well, yeah, there is a kingdom, but it's not under the aegis of Rome. And I mean, Jesus, I think it's very interesting that Jesus, I mean, Jesus doesn't protest the legitimacy of, of Roman or, or Jewish power here. He's not saying, well, I'm more in charge than you. You know, it, it, it's totally different. It's your frames of reference for this. are not going to get the job done. You know, it's mm. so different and as he doesn't rush to be declared king quite the opposite in a way to the david passage i think uh, he, he doesn't say you know that this is me um and i almost wonder whether that would be to take on too much of the the language and the terms that are being set for him by other people and actually would be a distraction jesus doesn't need that other people might other people have said he's a king but he hasn't said he's a king whereas mm. read the samuel is very different because here's david saying you know this is me i'm the i'm the one yeah and so verse 37 we get Pilate saying you are a king then yes but that's that's a kind of voluntary thing somehow in the light of, of jesus saying his kingship is different I'm, I'm i'm not i'm not a competitor to Caesar in the sense that I want to raise an army and control people, that there is mm. some kind of voluntary, uh, this is currently voluntary kingship that you can uh, you can adopt, you can come under, you can submit to. Mm. And and there's plenty of scope, I'd have thought, for preaching with this text to, to take that the, the kingdom of God is different and the way in which power is exercised in the kingdom of God is different. And, and draw contrast with all sorts of different places and spheres um, in the world uh, today, you, you know, to talk of a kingdom which is not about taking life but giving life, not fighting to avoid death but dying for others, not by dominating power but being a witness to the truth. I mean, there's plenty of contrast there with some of what we see around us. Yeah, that's right. And that what you just described is a very engaged model of life because I, I you know you can't I think glance at 36 my kingdom is not of this world without thinking of a way that it's sort of been read in the past as a text for disengagement for separatism yes. for a kind of sacred secular desire you know divide and actually you know there's there's something I was I was I was looking back in uh uh, chapter 17 you know where we get the kind of in the world but not of the world sort of teaching and jesus says in verse 14 they're not of the world any more than i am of the world mm. he says to the disciples but then in verse 15 my prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the world and 
and I suspect that protect them from the world maybe doesn't simply mean keep them in good health and safe from persecution, but it means protect them from the insidious values of this thing that John calls the world that is continually uh, um, contrary to the values of the kingdom of God. And I, I, I think this is great that, uh, yeah, you know, this, this is a passage that isn't saying the kingdom is not of this world, so don't worry about the world. It's saying, again, as you said, live in the world for a kingdom that has got such different values. Is there anything else in, in the John text that you've, uh, you've noted down to, to throw out this morning? Um, I, I, no, I don't think there is actually, David. I think I think they were they were my kind of kind of big thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, in which case, uh, Martin, thank you so much for uh, coming on this morning and uh, sharing your wisdom and reflections with us today. We really appreciate that. Um. I'll just flag up because uh, we try and do this every so often. If there's been a particularly useful resource, I will just um. This commentary on John by Marianne May Thompson, who was particularly helpful for me this week. Um, good to find a, a, a good commentary um, in one of the, the big series that isn't written by a man. That's not easy to find. And uh, But Marianne's is, is a top-notch one. You do need to take out a small mortgage to buy it. Um, but it's a good one. But thank you for coming and sharing with us. And uh, this morning, thank you for joining us as well. If you've enjoyed this episode of Politics in the Pulpit, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast because that helps other people find us. And you can join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag Politics in the Pulpit. Now, next week, we're going to finish this particular season and we're going to meet the host for next season of Politics in the Pulpit. I'm not going to tell you any more. You'll have to come next week to see what happens. But as we finish our reflection today, we go into the week with our blessing. May the blessing of God of peace and justice be with us. May the blessing of the son who weeps the tears of the world's suffering be with us. And may the blessing of the spirit who inspires us to reconciliation and hope be with us from now and into eternity. Amen. Amen. Oh,